Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. We are just a couple weeks away from launching the 2020 Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. With us today is writer, director, producer, and star of the short film, You Look Great, which will be a part of the Angels and Demons block. His name is Mr. Justin Andrew Davis. Justin, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I always appreciate the use of the middle name. Because, and maybe I'm biased because I used my first, middle, and last name too, but it really, you know, lets everybody know that you are a force to be reckoned with. Justin Andrew Davis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't mistake me for anybody else. I think when I was first starting out, you know, I'm not in SAG now, but, you know, names cannot be repeated. Right. And so I did my due diligence of Googling Justin Davis, and, you know, as one might expect, it was... Uh, there and taken. <laughs> so then I had this weird existential grapple of like, should I use my first name and a made up last name? Should I use all three of my names? Should I use a completely like a uh, fictitious name? And my, my friends and family got pretty annoyed at this inquiry. Um, but eventually it was just like, just use your names. And the URL was available, which was a plus. There you go. And so I am now the artist known as Justin Andrew Davis. It's funny that you say your family got upset because that's how I started using my middle name. It was probably the first student film I ever worked on when I was like 18 or something. I showed it to my mom, really excited. You know, the credits were rolling and I was like, wait, here comes my name. Here comes my name. And I pointed to it. I was like a grip or something. She's like, Nick Ibarra. She's like, your name is Nicholas Paul Ibarra. You better <laughs> use it. So from then on out, it's like, all right, anytime in the credits, I have to be Nicholas Polybara or my mom is going to come after you. <laughs> she wants the full legacy yeah. front and center. <laughs> so Justin, Andrew Davis, tell us about your film, You Look Great. So You Look Great is a short film, my first short film as a filmmaker. And it's based on my personal experiences with eating disorders. We follow the central character, Peter as he goes through the course of the day, trying desperately to keep this disease under wraps. And, you know, we just see him go through his work life, his home life, just walking around in public and just all the various ways he isolates himself and gets stuck in this cyclical pattern. And this must have been, you know, it takes a lot of courage to tell this story and you're starring in it also, you know, it being a personal story. Was it a challenge for you to you know, finally decide to make it and share your experience? Yeah. So I remember when I was going to announce this on, on Instagram that, you know, this project is something I'm working on and something I'm going to be crowdfunding for. And, you know, uh, my family and friends, you know, that I'm close with, I, I was pretty not shy about sharing my struggles and stuff like this. It's something I've dealt with for a long time, but, you know, posting it in a very public 
way on social media, it did give me great pause. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I had that big exhale. I felt like I, I was, you know, ripping the bandaid. It's like something you kind of, you know, kind of can't take back. And I remember, you know, my mom and dad being a little hesitant about me sharing this story, you know, in a very protective parental way. And I think they just come from a generation where you kind of don't talk about these kind of things. Like this is something you deal with privately. If people are aware that you struggle, you know, with mental health or disorders such as these, they're going to, you know, think you're crazy or, you know, it's going to affect your professional life. People aren't going to want to hire you. And I just had this gut feeling that the exact opposite would be true. I mean, it definitely was putting myself in the spotlight, but I just sort of knew that the conversations it would start would, you know, help me heal and help someone else out there feel less alone. And I think, you know, I really knew that people would connect with it. So I just push forward. Absolutely. For any of the viewers who listen to this show regularly, they're probably tired of me saying this because a lot of our recent guests have been very personal stories. And I keep using this quote, but like, I think Scorsese said, the more personal your stories are, the more universal they are, you know? And I think that definitely rings true with your film. Yeah. I was just so intimately connected to this, you know, this struggle and this illness. And, you know, I knew that I had unique ways of portraying it. You know, I really strive for, I guess, what I could label as kitchen sink realism. Like I really want to show these behaviors in the sort of truest light I can. And, you know, all the sort of things that you see me do, you know, like incessantly checking myself out in reflective surfaces, you know, pinching at my stomach, you know, drinking coffee instead of eating, over-exercising, binging, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things are coming from, you know, personal experience. And because I'm so, you know, like I said, attuned to them, I felt like I could show them in a very, very real way on camera. And yeah, I just wanted to give life to this story. And also, you know, just to sort of shed light on the fact that, you know, as a man, you can struggle with and be preoccupied by by these sort of like thoughts and issues and behaviors, ideals, whatever you want to call them. Absolutely. As you mentioned, there are some, you know, intense scenes that you had to go through. If you can talk to us a little bit about your preparation for those scenes, both as an actor and a director, because I was trying to put myself in your shoes and I was like, this must have been really tough. You know, you're preparing as an actor would, but you're also, you know, you are having to revisit some dark memories that you've lived. How do you begin to prepare for that? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I've lived with these experiences and this story you know, for for so long, I mean, you know, my story and the story of You Look Great, that I I kind of was already in a, a mental space to move forward with it. You know, I guess the thing is just like, you know, now it's like I can talk about these things, but now I'm actually going to be doing them for camera and doing them in front of people, which is, yeah, it's kind of strange. I've spent so much time keeping these things private. And so, you know, I'm going to be, you know, sucking in my ribs in front of people. I'm going to be grabbing my stomach. Uh, There's a scene where I binge and I really, you know, I do eat all of that food. Like there's no spit takes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's funny because originally I envisioned that as a wonder, but then it became like 
okay, this is six minutes of you eating. I can't do it. So we had to cut it up. Yeah. And then, you know, like there's more, you know, harmful behaviors that you kind of bear witness to, like attempting to make yourself purge. And the scene where that happens, and I don't want to spoil anything because it's very precious to me and I think it hits. You know, I'm actually physically gagging myself, which I guess maybe I'm just like, should I have done that? But, you know, I knew I was, I know I wasn't going to take it too far. It's not like you actually, you know, see anything dangerous, like right, very, right. very dangerous on camera, like actually real life dangerous. But, you know, I, I basically push it as far as I can to sort of realistically portray it. It's a lot of just getting comfortable with making your private life public. You know, from the directorial standpoint, I really, really, really put a lot of trust uh, in my DP, Chris Lewick, because, you know, this is an indie project. We essentially shot the bulk of the film in four shoot days. You know, everything that can go wrong went wrong. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't it? (laughs) I mean, we got the police called on us the first day before the first shot, which was incredible, but we can get to that later. (laughs) Which is all just to say, you don't have time. Right. And so I really had to have my, my DP, Chris, on the same wavelength as me and being like, this is what I'm looking for. Did we get it? And, you know, I trusted his judgment, you know, 150%. And, you know, I sort of catered to, you know, how it felt for my performance, my actor's performances, whatever we see on camera, I am putting all my trust in him. And that's sort of what you have to do on an indie film set. So it was all of those things at once, you know, being like, well, I'm exposing myself in a very serious way. I don't have time to watch playback. Let's just go and don't stop. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You guys pulled it off. It's really a great film. We're extremely happy to have it this year. The concept of having kind of your inner monologue depicted by, you know, this outer body, other being is really, really smart and really sells kind of, you know, like what you're going through. Talk to us about coming up with that idea. Was it always a part of your your thought process in telling this story? Yes, it was there from the very beginning. The first scene that I sort of ever conjured up when meditating on this material is the climactic scene, Mm -hmm. which, like I said, I don't want to ruin. But it needs, you know, this other physical self that's, you know, not actually there. The inner critic is always so, so, so loud in my experience with eating disorders. And to just see it coming out of like a physical person's like mouth, I think was, you know, always very powerful to me. And like I said, the climactic scene sort of was just like, oh man, that's such a crazy thing to see. How do I build to that? So I built the story around including, you know, this personified eating disorder. And the thing that's always been interesting to me about using that device is that, you know, it's not like Fight Club. There's not like a, oh, he's not really there moment. I was trying to see how can you make it interesting and engaging, knowing from the very beginning that this other guy, his eating disorder personification does not exist. Totally. You guys really pulled that off and made it that much more intense. And the guy who plays your your kind of alternate self is really incredible, as is the young actress who plays your girlfriend. Talk to us about your casting process, because your supporting cast is really, really strong. Yeah, um, they're all incredible. They all fill their roles exactly as they, they need to be. So Peyton Michelle Edwards, she plays my girlfriend, Alex. I actually met her originally on this horror short called She Came From The Woods. 
which was written and directed by Eric Bloomquist alongside his brother, Carson Bloomquist. We just sort of clicked from the get-go. We shared a very uh, similar, strange sense of humor. You know, I always describe her as a strange bird and (laughs) (laughs) one that I understand. And so we, we had a really good, you know, working relationship and friendship. And I just extended the role to her and she accepted. Sean T. McGrath plays Rick. And he is somebody that I went to uh, the Barrow Group with. We had an apprenticeship together from 2015 to 2016. And, you know, he's just this big, lovable teddy bear and is just a very, very smart, very, very talented man. And I just, you know, knew to call on him for that. And then Sarah at the end, that is played by my producer, Tessa Byford. And that was like probably the last role to fill. And she's like, can I just do this? And I was like, yeah. And so the only person I actually cast was Ryan Wasine, mm-hmm. who played Joe, the, the alter ego. And that was my first experience with casting ever. You know, my primary pursuit is acting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been uh, called in and I've auditioned, you know, plenty of times. And I've just never known the sheer volume of talent and hungry talent that is out there. And so I posted this on there and, you know, it it was a paid gig. And I got for this role, I think something like 200, 215 submissions on backstage. And I was just flabbergasted. I was just like, oh my God, this is insane. And, you know, it really made me appreciate as an actor, like, you know, whenever you get called in, like it's, you know, it's a blessing. Yeah. You, know, you should be extremely grateful and show up as your best self. But I looked through all of these headshots and resumes and reels, and I whittled it down to maybe like eight wow. to 10 people where I was like, all right, I could see these people potentially playing it. But Ryan, his reel was the only one where I was just like, wow, I like this guy's performance. He's you know, very natural. He just has a very, you know, engaging presence about himself. He was, that was the only reel where I was just like, that's a definite call in. Everyone else was just like, okay, this is all right. This is pretty good. And so I, instead of auditioning, I was just like, I messaged him and said, I can't promise you anything, but I would like to meet with you and discuss, you know, the role and, and discuss the story. And so we met at a coffee shop. And so, you know, he was, you know, very eloquent, very prepared. We engaged in a very in-depth discussion. You know, I liked him. He was a very open, warm guy Mm -hmm. and, you know, just showed great interest and understanding of the story and character. And so, you know, I just, after our conversation, I was just like, the the role is yours. And so that was my casting process. It was, uh, you know, basically friends and then one Hail Mary. And the Hail Mary was a touchdown. (laughs) Yes, it really, (laughs) he really, I mean, he does an incredible job. Everything that the inner critic, the alter ego, the eating disorder had to be, you know, he brought and not in an exaggerated way, you know, it's very sort of like cynical. It was very, um, like subtly toxic. It was, you know, and, and when it needed to be powerful, it was powerful. And when it is powerful, it's just surprising yeah. because, you know, there's just like this menace and then there's also this charm too. And so I couldn't be happier. Yeah, absolutely terrific. Before we take our break, I wanted you to touch a little bit on your crowdfunding campaign because you guys did something really special, I thought. So if you could talk about that. Sure. So we did a crowdfunding campaign through Seed and Spark, which is, for those who don't know, as far as I know, the only crowdfunding platform that is entirely dedicated to film. 
And it really, you know, celebrates the indie community and diverse voices and, you know, unique stories and perspectives. And so that was my first experience crowdfunding. And it, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, anyone who, who wants to do it, you know, God bless you. Please have a team to help you because it is a lot of work on top of whatever you're doing in your life. And you're going to be online all day, every day, just doing all kinds of work. But as a part of our crowdfunding process, I did daily interviews or tried to be daily. They were, they were probably a couple of days apart with people, you know, various, you know, ages, genders, ethnicities, and spoke to their experiences with, you know, body image, with exercise, with food. And it was just a really eye-opening experience that everyone has, you know, struggled in some way with all of those, um, all those concepts, you know, like there's like cultural ideals or like, or feeling like they can openly talk about or criticize one's body. It was just such a eye-opening, revealing experience just to know like, this is such a universal phenomenon Mm -hmm. that everyone has felt insecure. Everyone has felt, you know, belittled or bullied. And, you know, for things that are just part of you, like you can't these are things that are just you are born with. In most cases, like you kind of can't change and people are can be very cruel and that that cruelty can lead to some very, you know, hurt places. Those were, you know, very, very well received and I think helped ultimately start the conversation that this film was aiming for. Absolutely. And, you know, it's great that you made it because I think a lot of people can relate to it, whether it's with uh, issues with eating disorders or not or something else. You know, it is a relatable thing to have that voice in the back of your head that says, you know, you're not good enough or, you you know, you need to do better. You know, that's something that, you know, I think everybody can relate to. So kudos on a great film, man. We are super stoked about it. I got mad respect for you for making it. It's a hell of a watch. If you can tell the audience where they can find you, where they can follow you. The website is justinandrewdavis.com, which is in need of a little bit of an update. (laughs) (laughs) That is the primary source for me. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at justinandrewd and also on Twitter, though I don't frequent that as much. Yeah, and that's... Those are my hangs. Cool. And you could see his film, You Look Great, at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival this year, starting August 4th at LADFF.com. It will be in the Angels and Demons block, along with three other incredible short films. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Justin is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Give Me Three. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival will be available to a worldwide audience this year. Due to the global pandemic, our annual in-person event is postponed, but you can still view our incredible program online. From August 4th through August 31st, visit LADFF.com to rent our curated film blocks, or you can buy a VIP pass, which gives you access to our entire program for the month. We have over 50 films from 17 different countries. Comedy, thriller, drama, musicals, docs, we've got something for everybody. So check out the 7th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival starting August 4th exclusively at LADFF.com. Alrighty, we are back on Film Forward. 
We are joined by Justin Andrew Davis, the director of the film You Look Great. He is about to give us three films that have inspired him and inspired his work. Mr. Davis, let's get your first one. We can start with Lou Valentine, which is a romantic drama that is written and directed by Eric C. in France. I'm pretty sure I said that correctly. I always mm-hmm. have a little bit of hesitation, but you know, it stars Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams, and it follows their marriage in a nonlinear way, you know, from when they meet to present day where their relationship is very much on the rocks. And the thing that always drew me to it was this just like extremely naturalistic, hyper-realistic portrayal of a relationship and particularly a relationship that is, you know, like dying. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of little hiccups that happen in their relationship that add tension. But the thing that I find most beautiful or, or most true is that ultimately these two people kind of just fall apart for no particular reason, no one reason. It's just like they just drift and in the drifting, the tension builds. And, you know, I, I always look for films that provide a reflection, you know, either of my, you know, experiences or what I can believe to be true. And, you know, I was just along for the ride for this thing you know, 100% of the way, you know, from the sort of giddiness of of their romance beginning to just like the the heart-wrenching, you know, end and sort of just like, where do we go from here moment. And a lot of people can say like, you just, you like a lot of sad stuff. You like, you like, you just like sad stuff because it's sad. And maybe some of that is true. I did grow up in an emo kind of way, <laughs> kind of phase. But um, it's, it's more so that just when I see something on the screen that I know to be true because I've experienced or I just believe it, that just fills me with all sorts of just like transcendence. And so, yes, a lot of the times these are sad subjects, but they fill me and make me whole and make me just feel more connected to the human experience. And Blue Valentine, it just encapsulates that. It doesn't have a great big, you know, surprise or a great big plot device. It's just the life and times of this couple. And it's beautiful and heartbreaking and raw and real. You know, one of my favorite things is to cry at a movie. It just feels good once it's out, you know, because ultimately I think every once in a while we all got to cry. And mm-hmm. sometimes films are a great excuse for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they provide some truth or, you know, as you were saying, they're providing truth, they're providing reflection, all those things. So I say, go on with your bad self and, and your sad movies, Mr. <laughs> we, 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 we support you. you here at Film Forward. <laughs> <laughs> it is extremely cathartic and I will keep on keeping on. Okay, let's get your second one. So this one falls sort of outside of my uh, typical array of movies, but maybe not. So it's Ex Machina, Mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, is a phenomenal, phenomenal sci-fi flick that was written and directed by Alex Garland. And, you know, it stars Oscar Isaac, Domhnall Gleeson, Alicia Vikander. And, you know, I I dabble in in sci-fi and fantasy, but, you know, I wouldn't say I'm super steeped in it or it electrifies me, you know, it's just... Sometimes it's a lot to see like such a world that is so different from yours. It's like, I like that escape once in a while, but sometimes, you know, I kind of just get 
lost in the sauce of, of mm-hmm. um, like high, high fantasy and high, high sci-fi. But the, the thing that I love about this movie is that it's, it's sort of just like our world plus, you know, right. it's like we have, you know, this uh, genius who created a, a Google-like search engine and, you know, became a bajillionaire and sets off on the quest of, you know, creating the first artificial intelligence. And, you know, he brings on Dominic Gleeson to sort of uh, test whether or not it can be believed that she's human. Can you not tell that she's AI, which I guess is like the, the ultimate passing. Even with the, the movie I'll mention next, the thing that I find so amazing and beautifully executed is that this kind of just takes place in a house. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's some, you know, uh, exteriors, there's like one small separate office scene, but like 90 to 95% of this film is just the house that it takes place in. The way that they build this sort of like accumulating tension and menace and ominous kind of vibe, it sucked me in immediately. And they all give brilliant performances. But the thing that I think I love about this most, and I watched this, I believe, from a Lessons from the Screenplay video, the way that they withhold and deliver information, like what you know when. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like surprise after surprise after surprise. And, you know, you just like not knowing who's going to do what, who's on whose side, how is this going to play out? It's just so engrossing to watch. You know, it's it's a story of relationships. We see this guy, you know, essentially fall in love with a robot. And, you know, I, I love relationship stories. You know, I mean, I guess every kind of movie is about relationships. But, you know, this was particularly about a strange, blossoming, big relationship in this sort of chaotic scenario. And I love watching what you can do you know, without all like the glitz and glam and big explosions and stuff like that. If you can just capture like a story in a house, you've won, you know? And not only capture a story, I mean, this film, it's quite dense in what it has to say. For those of you who haven't seen it, I recommend checking it out because it is, it's one of the most unique and impressive sci-fi films that I've seen, you know, in the last decade or two. I agree. That's an excellent choice. Ex Machina. And now, sir, it's time for your third. My third choice and probably my biggest inspiration to me as uh, an artist, as an actor, writer, all of the things, all of the hats, is uh, Blue Jay, which was written by Mark Duplass, you know, sort of like our indie film god. And it was directed by his DP, uh, Alex Levin. This story is of two sweethearts who run into each other some 20 years down the road after not seeing each other in their hometown. And it's just them catching up on each other's lives in their hometown, in Mark's character's house. You know, we just watch this couple interact after not seeing each other for so, so long. And the thing that I just love about it, which I sort of started talking about with Ex Machina, is that they create such a beautiful and captivating story with mm-hmm. just two people talking in a house. Like, at least with Ex Machina, you know, there's just like, oh, what's going to happen? Are there more robots? There's like potential danger. There's violence. There's like shutdowns and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff that sort of gets us, you know, on the edge of our seat. 
and I enjoy that too. But you know, it's literally just two people like talking and you know learning to interact with each other again, and it's it just blew me away. I remember seeing it in like a an art house theater in New York at like three p.m. on a Tuesday. It was like me and three people, and, and I was just floored by everything they were able to capture. You know, Mark always talks about catching lightning in a bottle. And I think he and Sarah Paulson, you know, really, really, really did that. And, you know, the story is sort of just about where they are, what they've done in that time, the relationships they've gotten themselves into. They have some, you know, unreconciled issues between them from the past. And I believe every single word they say, I believe that these are real people that I could just, you know, be friends with or see on the street. It's a tragic relationship story. And it just, you know, it's in like, we just, there are very real circumstances surrounding why they don't work and uh, where they end up in their lives and how they interact when they see each other again. It's everything that I want to be able to express in my work, real people in just sort of everyday circumstances that can, you know, feel cosmic. Absolutely. And kind of what you were talking about with Ex Machina, same thing goes for this script. The patience in, you know, when it chooses to deliver certain information is really, really smart. For a script that's mm-hmm. essentially yes. two people talking and catching up, when they choose to deliver certain information is really, really smart and well executed in this film. And it's a great observation. There are just so many small details that hint at the intensity of their relationship. There's sort of like a bigger reveal toward the end and like why things went the way they did when they were younger and they master sort of the, the delivery of information and surprise. Well, those are three... Excellent choices, Justin. Thank you so much for giving them to us. Thanks for talking shop with us. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks for making your film. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I couldn't be more excited to be screening with you guys. I've just wanted in my film circuit festival run to get into anything in LA. And you are one of the first to screen. You look great. I really am very grateful for you guys to have me. Well, we only picked the best. (laughs) So you should feel pretty good. Thank you kindly. You guys can see You Look Great at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival starting August 4th as a part of the Angels and Demons block. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be at LADFF.com. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.